My brother Cecil is at the beach this morning, and uh, somebody said pray for his safety as he travels, and, and then ask, is it okay if we pray for rain? And I don't think that's okay, do you? So don't do that, but uh, we miss him this morning, so uh, appreciate Daniel being able to step up. Amen? Feeling, stand in the gap there. This is going to be the last sermon from the Sermon on the Mount uh, that I preach in this series. So we'll turn our Bibles over to Matthew chapter 7 and uh, verse number 13. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. Of course we ended uh, with verse 12 last week. Wonderful section of scripture. I'm just going to finish reading to the end of the chapter. So we've got about 16 verses. So you can remain seated uh, if you so please. If you're there please say amen. Matthew chapter 17 verse number 13. The Bible says this. Jesus says, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. He says, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits... You shall know them. Now pay attention to this. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. In the saddest words in the Bible probably and then will I profess unto them I never knew you depart from me ye that work iniquity therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Let's bow our head and pray. Lord, we love you, and God, we cherish the opportunity to be back in your house again. And God, we lift you up this morning. Lord, we praise you because you're worthy. And Lord, we thank you Lord, for the singing and for what our hearts have already felt. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit being here present with us. And God, we continue, ask you to continue to be with us in this service. Lord, that you would just continue to have your way. 
And Lord, that everything that is said this morning would glorify you. And that Lord, as your word is divided this morning, that we could see what you would have us to see and hear what you would have us to hear. God, let us open our hearts and open our minds and be willing to to do whatever it is that you would have us to do this morning. God, give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. In Jesus' name, amen. I like to listen to preachers. Um, I'm the guy that, uh, I mean, I have this app on my phone called Sermon Audio, and I get on YouTube, and and, uh, I listen to a lot of preachers. Anybody else listen to preachers besides me? Like two people do. That's <laughs> at least you're listening to me, right? At least I hope you are. And uh, and and you know, one of the things that I, I do when I listen to preachers, I, I'm very particular about who I listen to. You know, I mean, I, I hate. I'm not trying to sound rude or be mean, but but I don't just listen to anybody. I mean, I want somebody that knows what they're talking about. I want somebody that's well versed in the Word of God, and and I want a preacher uh, that keeps my attention. Don't you like preachers that keep your attention? Anybody in this service ever sat under a preacher that just about put you to sleep? I mean, everybody's been in that situation, right? And I hope that's not me. And if it is, tell me so that I can do something different because I don't ever want to be that guy. And, And one of the most important things, I think, when it comes to preaching and preaching a sermon, is 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 there there's several elements to it, and I'm not going to get into all that this morning. But but you've got to sort of capture people's attention to start with, and 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 so I heard a, a very wise preacher say one time that you get their attention, they're probably not going to listen to you in the middle, and then hopefully you can say something at the end that will stick with them. And that's the, the, whole, the whole gist of preaching a sermon. And, and I, I really don't want that to be you this morning. Uh, but Jesus here in Matthew chap- chapters 5, 6, and 7, again, he's preached the greatest sermon I believe that's ever been written down, ever been recorded. And this is the bottom line of his sermon. I mean, this is, this is the closing remarks. This is the, the, almost the end of it. And uh, he gets to the end. And he talks about some things that, that he hasn't really covered in the rest of it. We've had a lot of, of, of doctrine about how Christians should live. We've had a, a lot of teaching about what you should and shouldn't do concerning other believers and perhaps concerning the lost people in the world and, and all of these things. And here Jesus gets to the end of it and, he's, and he sort of changes his tone. And, and he begins to deal with those uh, men sitting there with him. But I believe that this, this reaches a much broader audience. This reaches a much, a much broader scale. And he says this in verse number 13. This is very powerful. He says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many, many, you notice that word there, many there, be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And so Jesus has been talking to his disciples, but then he really starts to separate them. He really starts to call them out and differentiate them from the rest of the people that may be listening, from those that, that may not have believed in him yet. Because, I mean, we're in a different situation. This is sort of a different thing. Jesus hadn't died on the cross, so some people would say, well, they don't have faith, uh, grace through faith yet. But, but they are following Jesus. They have stepped out on faith and followed him. And as a believer, as, as somebody today, how do, you, how do you accept Jesus Christ? You have to do what? You have to step out on faith and follow Him, right? Would you say amen to that? And there's nothing else that you can do to accept Jesus. 
And Jesus said, wide is the gate. He said, the, the, the way is broad that leadeth to destruction. Now, this is the first reference we really hear in this about destruction. What's he talking about? What destruction is he talking about? And, and Bible scholars have argued this point for years. And I'm not here to argue uh, theology. I'm not here to argue this and that. But it sounds to me like destruction is something that you don't want to be a part of. Would you, would you agree with that statement? Do, I, don't, I don't like destruction. We see destruction sometimes and, and, and it's just not something that I want to be part of. But then he says, narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. Now I would say that he is, in, he is talking here about eternal life. So if he's talking about eternal life in verse 14, then I would go as, to far, as far as to say that the destruction that is being referred to in, in verse number 13 may be somebody dying and going to hell. It may be that, that he's talking about the end of your life. I believe that is what he's referring to here. And he says this, he says that, that broad is the way. He said this is a very wide road. And he says another thing, he said there's a lot of people on it. I don't know the statistics and, and I don't know that you could ever figure this out because you truly don't know people's heart. But I would say this and, 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 and believe it with full faith this morning that there's a whole lot more people in this world that are on their way to hell than are on their way to heaven. Apparently you don't believe that. I, I don't know what's going on here. Apparently there's a lot more people on their way to hell than on their way to heaven. Would you say amen to that? He said that there's just a few on their way to heaven. And as I got to reading into this and got to, to studying this and praying on this, I think what Jesus is really referring to is not, not he's not talking about necessarily even your way of life. He's not even necessarily at this moment talking about uh, whether you live right or, or however you live, but he's simply talking about accepting Him as your Savior. He says, narrow is the way. When I read this and I was praying on it, God sort of put this thought in my head of a one-way street. And we don't have a whole lot of those in Cookville, but, but you go to somewhere, a bigger city like Nashville, or, or venture out, in, you know, out of the country like we're in into the big city, and you run into a lot of one-way streets, right? And those one-way streets, I, I don't like them, and, and, and they're sort of dangerous if you get to, going the wrong way on them. But the one-way street, it's, it's, it's very pointed. You start here, and you end here. There's only one way that you're going to go, and that's that you start at point A and you end at point B. And usually they don't deviate a whole lot, and they're just, they're just a lot of times little short streets that get you from point A to point B. And Jesus here is making reference to that. He's calling that the narrow way. Most of the time, one-way streets are what? They're pretty narrow, right? I mean, they're like one car wide, and as you go down them, there's really nowhere else you can go except to the end of that street. But then he talks about the broad way. He talks about the way that, that leads to destruction, the way that so many people are in in this day and time and, and that Jesus is preaching and still the day and time that we live in today. And he calls that the broad way. This is the road that he's talking about that, that you can go any which way that you want to. You can turn left, you can turn right, you can stay over here, you can be over here, you can be going this way, or you can even be going that way. It's a broad road, and, and you can sort of do what you want to on it, but at the end of the day, at the end of that road, nothing good is going to be at the end of that road except destruction. 
I heard a good preacher say this, and you cannot be, understand this, you cannot be on both roads at one time. You're either on the narrow way or you're on the broad way. And I heard a preacher say this, that the only time that they have ever and will ever intersect with one another, that they will ever cross paths, is at the cross. Amen? It's that you are going down the broad way, that you are on your way to destruction, that you may be on your way to hell, and you may be trying to do things your way. And, you, and these broad ways, I mean, it's, it's just as wide as you want to get. You can be following other religions, or, or you can just be an atheist, or you can be doing this or doing that, and you can be on this broad way. In fact, you don't really have to do anything to be on the broad way. But the only way and the, the place that you get off of that road is it the cross of Jesus? Is it you have to come and you, and you have to accept Him and they cross one time? I don't believe that the broad way and the narrow way, they just, I don't believe they do this. Would you all say amen to that? I believe that, that you get on the narrow way and you need to stay on the narrow way. You don't need to deviate from that. You don't need to be looking for a way to get off of it or looking for a way that maybe you could widen it out yourself. Jesus said it's narrow and it's narrow because He made it that way. That was His idea, not mine. And I'm glad that it is that way. So the first thing that we see right here is is the narrow way and the broad way. So I'm going to say this. The first thing you need to do is you need to make sure that you're on the right road. Before you make any other decisions concerning any of this, these verses that I'm about to read, that I'm about to go over, you just simply need to make sure that you're on the narrow way. You need to make sure that Jesus lives in your heart. You need to make sure that you've accepted Him and that you've been to the cross and that that blood has covered you. I, I love that song, the song, the second song we sung. Not, I don't love my singing, okay? I'm not trying to say that. But I love what it said. It says that some went through the flood and some went through the fire but all that are going to heaven what did they do they had to go through the blood amen what well, there's never been a more true statement and i think about that and 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 the fact that, that if you're lost here this morning that you're on that broad way you may not be thinking about it that way you may not be saying well you know you know i'm a pretty good guy there's a, there's a lot of, of good people going to hell. There's a lot of people, good people that are in hell. People that have lived pretty decent lives and they didn't do things that we thought were bad, but yet they did not accept Jesus as their Savior. They did not get on the, on the, the narrow way. They stayed on the broad way. You think about what the, the broad way, you think about roads, and, and Brother Rick, I think he had to, to leave this morning, but Brother Rick's job, everybody knows Rick Emmel, right? And one of his jobs, if you ever see Rick out, you know what he does? He goes over to the county jail and he picks up a load of inmates, and he, he uh, makes those inmates go pick up trash on the side of the road. Y'all ever, anybody ever seen Rick doing that? And, and you know what, I appreciate that. I think, just personally, I'm, I'm not, this, just chase a rabbit for a minute. I think that it would do some, some people some good sitting in jail to, to be put to work. Amen? They may be picking up trash. I don't know. Maybe you think we, we shouldn't be digging ditches, but whatever. But there's always litter on the side of the road, right? And I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, what would the, what would the broad way that leads to destruction be littered with? And I thought about two things. The first thing I thought about is that the broad road is probably littered with good intentions. 
You know, people that are on the Broadway, that are on their way to hell, a lot of them have good intentions. A lot of them have good ideas. A lot of them say, you know what, one of these days when this and that happens, when thus and such comes to pass, then, then I'm probably going to you know, get serious about this and I'm going to maybe follow Christ one of these days, but, but I've got some other things going. And they have a lot of good intentions. And they have a lot of good ideas and and they have all these things going for them. They may even have good morals. They may be a a good person. But yet, you know what good intentions will get you? Nothing. Absolutely not a thing. I think about people that say that, that one of these days when they quit doing this, when they quit sinning and they quit whatever it is that they're doing, that then they will accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you're not willing to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior right now in the condition that you're in, then what would make you believe that you're going to be willing to, to accept Him later on in your life? That's a crazy thought, isn't it? Why would anybody in their right mind, now there's a lot of people that's out of their mind in this world, right? But why would anybody who's in their right mind, who has, who has any kind of reason and any kind of ability to think and read and, and listen to what the Word of God says, why would you want to be anywhere except on the narrow way that leadeth to life? That's a question that, that I don't know if I'm qualified to answer it because I've been asking that question the whole time I've been preaching. Why would anybody... Anybody want to stay lost? Just doesn't make sense. Does it make sense to you, Brother George? I just don't understand it. But then he goes on and he actually talks about this narrow way and and he's given the example of somebody being on the narrow way and then he kind of changes thoughts again. And he says, beware. Pay attention because there's false prophets out there. There's people that are going to come to you in sheep's clothing. He says, but inwardly they are as ravening wolves. I'm not going to get too deep into this, and and I wish I could. This would be, again, a whole other sermon unto itself about false teachers and and false prophets. But be aware of this. I just want to throw this out there real quick. If you want to know how to spot a false teacher, just see if he's in the Word of God or not. If somebody's outside of the Word of God, if they're giving you their opinions and and saying, well, refer to my book or refer to this or refer to that instead of the Word of God, you can pretty much bet that that person is a false teacher. Amen? And and I'm not going to get too deep into that, but he says that you're going to know them by their fruits. And he, he gives the example of grapes and figs. And he says, wherefore, in verse number 20, wherefore by their fruits you shall know them. And in verse 21, this is a, a section of Scripture that is it's sort of heart-wrenching to think about. I, I would hate to be in this position. And as I think about this, I think about somebody standing in front of God in judgment. And, we, and, and the way that, that I see it is, is that people are going to stand in front of God. And he says this, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, just because you have, have talked about God, just because you've went to church, just because you've done this and that, that does not qualify you to enter into the kingdom of God. He says many in that day, that judgment day, will say, Lord, have we not prophesied or have we not preached for you? He said, have we not cast out devils? Have we not done many wonderful works? There's a lot of people 
in this world, those, those ravening wolves, as he re- referred to them as, people that, that attend church, people that maybe even preachers and, and Sunday school teachers and, and whatever, just, just plug in whatever you want to right there, that one of these days they're going to stand in front of God. And they're going to say, well, look what I did. I, I taught Sunday school, and, and I led the singing, and, and, and I did these things, and I did those things. But Jesus said in verse 23, this is Jesus speaking. He says, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. That's a sad statement, isn't it? That's sad. If you think about that, I mean, I can't imagine having the Lord Jesus Christ look at me on judgment and say, I don't know who you are. Now, we know God is is omnipotent, right, and and omniscient. He knows everything. He's all-powerful, so obviously He knows who you are. But what He's saying there, he He said, I never had that relationship with you. You might have been doing these things. You might have been trying to work your way into heaven. He said, but until I have that relationship, until I know you uh, and you know me, he said, it's no good. He said, depart from me. Those are the, the saddest three words that have got to be written in the Bible. I can't think of a sadder thing written between these two covers than the words, depart from me. I mean, I stand here and I think about that. And I think about family members that I have. I think about people that attend this church faithfully. That if they don't get their heart right with God, that those are the very words that they're going to hear on Judgment Day. That ought to break your heart, church. Depart from me, he said, I never knew you, ye that work iniquity. So we see the, the right road, and he talks about the right fruit and the right relationship with God. Verse 24, and, and I don't have time to expound all of this. This is just a quick overview. And then Jesus' last statement. He says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. See, it's one thing to hear what the Bible says. You can, you can sit here every every week, every Sunday for a year or a decade or 50 years, however long, just just whatever, and hear the preacher preach, hear the song sung. But until you do what the Bible says, then, then really what good is it? I mean, the Bible stands upon itself and it, and it really doesn't need you, but you need it. You need the Word of God, and you need to do what the Word of God says. And the first thing would be to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. I mean, if you don't hear anything else, and and really you can't do all these other things that it talks about, you can't even think about living right and, and living a moral life until Jesus has come into your heart. He says, if you hear these sayings, that whosoever hear these sayings of mine and doeth them, or do with them, I will liken him unto a wise man. I like that idea being a, that, that, that Jesus would look at me and say, that guy's wise because he's doing what I say. And he said, and he said it's like a guy that built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat upon that house and it fell not. 
Why did it not fall? Not because of anything you have done, but because you had the protection of God. Amen? Because you have put your faith in Jesus. And again, I believe this is a reference to the, to the, to the end of our life. But verse 26, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man. I'll tell you, if there's one thing I don't want to be, it's to be a foolish person. Do you? I mean, I'm not saying I'm the, the, the brightest crayon in the box or the sharpest tool in the shed, but I don't ever want to be a, a foolish person, and especially a foolish person in the eyes of God. I mean, there's a lot of people in this world that think I'm foolish sometimes, amen? In fact, Romans, Paul said in Romans that, that, that God chose to spread His Word by the foolishness of preaching, that the world's going to look at us and think, well, these people are crazy. But I don't ever... Ever, ever want God to look at me and say that person is foolish because they just wouldn't do what I asked them to do. I had one simple request. I just asked them to follow my word, to do these sayings, but yet they refused to do that. And he said, this person that doesn't do what the Bible says is like a person which built his house upon the sand. Now I want you to notice this. Verse 25 and verse 27, if you've got your Bible there, uh, you can follow along and you can see it. But verse 25 says, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. Verse 27 says the exact same thing. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. So you know what that tells me? That no matter if you're saved or if you're lost, you can, you can say whatever you want to. The rain's descended. You can say that that would be the bad things that happened in your life. You can say the wind's blew or, or, just, or just things that are attacking you from the outside and, and just things that are beating on you. And we kind of understand what he's talking about here. He said, and these things are coming to everybody. Just because you're a believer does not exempt you from the things that happen bad in this life. Amen? I mean, if you're sitting here and you're saved and you're on your way to heaven and you have been for 50 years, that does not mean that bad things can't happen to you. Bad things happen to good people a lot of time. And good things happen to bad people. That's just life. But he said it doesn't really matter because it's coming. He says what matters is where your foundation is. He said the winds blew and, and the stream came up and beat upon the house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. The right foundation, the right road, the right fruit, the right relationship. We see all these things in this section of Scripture, verse 13 through verse uh, about 27. Things that are right versus things that are wrong. I would, I would say this morning that most people in here, at least I hope most people in here, have a right relationship with God. I really, my, my prayer is that, that almost everyone in this room is that's sitting here listening, and maybe those that are on the internet listening, I don't know if anybody's listening. Matthew, can you tell if anybody's listening to us? He can't tell. He don't, he don't have a clue. There, there are people listening. And I hope these people are on, the, on their way to heaven. I believe a lot of them are, don't you? But the fact of the matter is that not everybody that's, that's going to hear this sermon is on their way to heaven. Not everybody's on the narrow way. Not everybody has that right relationship with God. Why would anybody wait another minute? 
I just, I just can't figure that out. Why would you not want to have your, your life founded upon God? I believe that life does not start until you accept Jesus. Amen? I believe that you, you, you don't have, you're not living life to, to its fullest until you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And then finally, verse number 28, and I love this. It says, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at His doctrine. People were just absolutely floored at what Jesus said. They couldn't believe that Jesus had said that, that you need to live your life in a certain way, that you need to live your life right, and you need to give, and, and you need to love your enemies, and you don't need to worry, and you need to fast and pray and lay up treasures in heaven. And they were just scratching their heads and saying, how in the world can we do this? And the truth is, really, we can't. We must depend on Him for everything. We must have our life founded on Him, have our relationship right with Him. And then most of all, we've got to depend on Him every single day of our life. See, I can't, I can't live my life without depending on God. I found that too many times I've def- depended on myself and I've failed. I've done things I shouldn't have. I've been in situations I couldn't get myself out of and then I had to turn and repent and ask God to forgive me and get on the narrow way, get back on the narrow way and and make sure my fruit was right. This has been sort of just a a quick overview of these verses and, and I could preach a whole sermon on each one of these sections of Scripture. But the gist of it is that Jesus keeps talking about what is right And what is wrong? And I want everybody here to be right with God. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we love you. And and Lord, I just pray that we would take these, these scriptures very serious. Now sometimes we read the Bible and we just read it sort of in passing and it doesn't sink in sometimes. Lord, I just pray that you would forgive us of that. And Lord, if there's anybody here lost... Lord, this message is for them. God, I want everybody that's hearing hearing me this morning, whether they're here on the internet, whatever it may be, Lord, I don't want anybody to go to hell. I wouldn't want my worst enemy to have to stand before you in judgment day and hear the words, depart from me. Lord, that's heart-wrenching. God, I just pray that that we as Christians would would have a concern or that we would would want to see people saved and not go to hell. Lord, put people on the narrow way. Put people on the right foundation. Lord, help them to grow the right fruit and have a right relationship with you. It all depends on you because you're good enough. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Daniel's going to sing enough for us again. He's enough this morning. Do you agree with that? That Jesus is enough for everything and anything that we may face. I am not what I make. I am who you are.
measure of love that I bring. Listen to this next section. I am not who I know. I am known by the King of all kings. Does God know you this morning? Sing. Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you are enough for me. With nothing, I still have everything. Jesus, you are enough for me. You are maker invisible, holding the world in your hands. You are patient and merciful, giver of the grace without end. Satisfied simply by being who you've always been. You are infinite yes, love and you prove it again and again. Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you are enough for me. Jesus, you are enough for me. Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you are enough for me. With nothing, I still have everything. Jesus, you are enough for me. our heads for just a moment. Daniel, just keep playing for me if you don't care. And let's think about that. And, and I don't I don't drag things out. Y'all know that. Um, but we've got just an extra couple of minutes here. And I want, I want you to think about this. Think about this, this scripture and not the way I preached it because uh, all I can do is just take a scripture and, and sort of mess it up. But think about what Jesus said. Think about the words of Christ. This scripture stands on itself. And think about all these things and church, I want you to, to get concerned for lost people. Church, I want you to be praying right this very second for people that may be on their way to hell, that may be uh, looking towards that destruction. They may be on the Broadway that's leading that way. And they may be in the situation where they, they're going to hear, Depart from me, I never knew you. And if you're lost this morning... I don't want to keep dragging this out and, and repeating myself, but it's worth saying again, you need to accept Jesus. He's done absolutely everything that had to be done in order for you to go to heaven, and that was die on a cross and then be raised from the dead. He defeated death on your behalf. Why would you turn him down? Why would you walk away uh, a lost person? I, I just I can't fathom that. Yet we do it time and time again and I'm going to pray one more time and, and I'm going to ask God for convicting power that's what I'm going to pray for this morning God I just pray that you would 
you would just dispatch the Holy Spirit this morning into people's hearts, that you would deal with them. And, and Lord, whatever it takes, God, I just pray that you would let them know that they need you. Show them the error of their ways. And, and God, strip them of their pride. Whatever it is that's keeping them from you, Lord, we, I don't know what it is, but God, you do. Lord, I just pray that, that people would come to know you as their Savior. Lord, we know that you're standing with open arms. You're willing to receive anybody. If they'll just ask, nobody's too bad. Nobody's too lost for you to save. You're enough to save anyone. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your time and attention this morning. Now, church, continue to pray. Amen. Albert, we need some. We need to see some people saved, don't we, brother? And. Uh, Albert says that if we would just see somebody saved, he said the church would just catch fire. And I believe that with all my heart. Appreciate you being here this morning. And I appreciate you listening. If you're on Facebook and we're still up and running, I appreciate that. Uh, People were listening last week and and said that it was sort of like being here. And, And that's what I wanted. I just wanted people that are not able to be here to feel like they could be here. Because there's a lot of people that would love to be sitting in your seat. So if, if, you're, if you're not glad to be at church this morning, you know what I say, shame on you. Because you ought to be glad to be here. And there's a lot of people that would love to. I appreciate you putting forth the effort. I love this church, love the people, and I love you this morning. Love folks on the internet listening. We'll be dismissed. I'll invite you back to Wednesday night Bible study, 7 o'clock Wednesday. Don't forget about the fellowship meal at 6 o'clock. If you're comfortable coming to that, uh, please come. If you're not, we understand. Uh, but there's a sign-up sheet down the hallway, so Sister Holly's going to be the first one there this morning. I can see it in her eyes. Appreciate you, and we will be dismissed. I'm going to ask Brother Charlie, Charlie Bean, to dismiss us this morning.